Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode, I interviewed Bruce Fenton. He is running for the U.S. Senate seat in New Hampshire. Uh, he is running under the Republican Party, but he is a libertarian candidate. Um, and he has been around Bitcoin for a long time. So uh, he kind of, uh, you probably have seen his video. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you probably have seen his video where he, in the Republican primary uh, debate, and they were asked what uh, federal agencies he would uh, get rid of. And he was listing a bunch like Department of Education, blah, blah, blah. And he said, and uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and, you know, start going into them. And he's like, nobody's talking about them. So that went viral uh, that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have seen and a lot of people kind of agree in the Bitcoin space. Um, so I went to have him on and talk about we talk about his origins in Bitcoin uh, back in 2013. And he is a cypherpunk stockbroker. Um and then, uh, and then, yeah, he did an online filibuster uh, a couple weeks ago um, that uh, went for 33 hours. So he wanted to break the record. And that's what he did. Um, I, when you guys listen to this interview, um, it's a little bit choppy on the internet. And I will blame that the um, three-letter agencies, that's what I joke about and say that they're tapping into our, our feed because he's running for, you know, as a, as a libertarian, they want to stop him. So that's what they were paying attention to, or even, even though they could just wait until it gets in a, the interview gets out there. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, yeah, they, it, it's a little bit choppy on the internet. So um, I apologize. Sometimes there seems to be like a little bit of a delay in like my responding or like, maybe I sound a little weird when I respond or like it, it just, it was uh it was a tough internet connection and um and so you know it uh we did the best we could with what we had um but uh i want you guys to still listen to it um and maybe the only recommendation i would have is if you listen to this on fast forward maybe bump it down like you know if you listen on 2x listen at like 1.5 or something like that just so that the the choppy zoom audio doesn't get chopped up too much in the sped up uh uh, speed but um yeah bruce had a lot of great things to say so i really want you guys to uh to listen to this one and enjoy it and also thank you to our sponsor the bitbox o2 hardware wallet get your bitcoin only hardware wallet from shift crypto go to shiftcrypto.ch slash bitcoin made simple use the promo code bitcoin made simple to get five percent off also go to movies plus or go to mymoviesplus.com search movies plus in the app stores uh and thanks to movies plus that is my streaming platform that is streaming for freedom so we're doing everything we can to uh to get every voice out there and uh, not just be you know leaning one way or the other in the political world but we have five bitcoin docs on there and we also have the the um uh, hard money show with natalie brunell so check it out you can get a free trial seven day trial use the promo code swan and you can get it for twenty dollars for a year so uh do that and uh, thanks to our friends at swan bitcoin for uh partnering with us on that promo and then finally want to thank upstream data you can go to upstreamdata.ca and they have the wonderful black box which will be useful for anyone that's out there getting into Bitcoin mining and home mining. Uh, it quiets your Bitcoin miner and it also uh, ventilates it really well and gets the air moving through pretty slickly. So I recommend anyone that's getting into it, do that. And then you can just, you know, you could have it in the house, but it's really meant for outside. You can put that black box right outside and just have it sit there and uh, not bother anybody. And you mine Bitcoin, get your KYC free sets. So upstreamdata.ca for more information. And if you want to get in contact with me, the email for the show is Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. I will talk to you guys later. Thanks. So off the top, I have to ask you, um, I assume you're a huge Captain America fan. Yeah, I like all kinds of comics. I'm a I'm a super geek. You know, I like all the all the geek stuff you know, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now what's your favorite? Uh, is, I mean, is Captain America your favorite or is that just kind of fit right now because you're running for office? It does fit. I do like the, I like, I like Captain America a lot. It depends for what, you know, Superman is great for decorating because he's very iconic, but, uh, you know, if I'm reading the stories, I usually like, uh, you know, more of the Marvel stories. Um, mm -hmm. Iron Man is one of my favorite to read. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I like, all, I like pretty much all of it. Um, you know, good stories are my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Good stories, which is something, unfortunately, Disney loses touch with. I found with, uh, with star Wars, that's my beef with them. I think they completely destroyed star Wars here in the news trilogy, but you know, 
I still have the original, so that's all that matters to me. Yeah, um, I, I went to uh, I did I did a film film filmmaking um, screenwriting course one time, like a like a certificate course. It was like two years, so it was uh, I call it film school to my kids. It wasn't quite film school, but it was two years. Uh -huh. And um, you know that was in an era when they they were very different with how they made films. You know they were they focused a lot more on the script and the story. And these days they they focus on the special effects first and then the actors and then the packaging and then the script is a distant a distant uh thing in the process yeah so I, I like the that's why there's so many good movies from the 90s because that was like the peak of you know like they they would they, in those days that was the last era when they really focused on a script first yep yeah i agree i mean i juxtaposing uh my son's really in the star uh into jurassic park right now and we just let him watch the original movie and then like worked our way through to, so he can see the new one in theaters um, and juxtaposing the original with the new ones. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, it's just night and day storytelling. It's completely yeah. different. Um, so it's a shame, yeah. shame, but you know, that's what, well, that's what, I don't know if you look poked around on my like website or anything. That's what my company does is movies. So hopefully to show movies plus, my streaming platform uh, will be uh, hopefully writing right. that wrong and starting to take it in the right direction. Um, awesome. But anyways, uh, so Bruce, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, so you're you. running for the U.S. Senate seat uh, for New Hampshire, right? And uh, mm -hmm. you are a stark libertarian, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's a pretty good description. And you're running, are you running for the Republicans? nominee or yeah okay yeah i'm running for the republican nomination there's a libertarian candidate running as a libertarian and i'm running as a liberty republican so i'm running for the republican nomination which which has a much better chance of winning the general you know you you, you it's hard to win as a third party in america uh, in, in this state right now it's very very winnable to win as a republican yeah yeah it's like as of now you can't like the third party, as much as I'd love to support it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work right now. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and uh, so I, I agree. I think that's a smart uh, move to, to go for the Republican nominee. Um, and now before we get into all that stuff, I want to get into your background. Um, so you're a cypherpunk stockbroker, self-proclaimed on Twitter. Um, explain that and the origins of that. Uh, like, you know, were you around in the old cypherpunk days before Bitcoin existed? No, I wish. Uh, no, I became a cypherpunk uh, much later. I didn't even hear about it until after Bitcoin. You know, cypherpunk is a term described in the cypherpunk manifesto, which is like a one page paper. And it basically says, you know, cypherpunks write code and, and want to see code as a, as a way to make the world better through things like privacy, especially. Uh, and I like that. I like that philosophy. Um, uh, I, I don't even write code. <laughs> I have mm. to use a loophole. It doesn't say you have to write code well. <laughs> I, yeah. I definitely don't write. I write code like a hello world script or something like that, you know, <laughs> WordPress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> count that if you count that as code ML, but i'm not like a plus person i'm not a, a real coder uh, but i believe in the philosophy you don't have to be to be a cypherpunk and then stockbroker you know i'm a licensed stockbroker i have a series 7 a series 24 license with finra so i think i'm the only I, i'm pretty sure i've got unless somebody's just copied me in the last couple of years I, i've got to be the only person to be using that title because in the united states you can't call yourself a, a, a stockbroker unless you're actually licensed it's it's uh you, you, you know you have to be registered with finra and the sec um, and, and then, and most of those, like if you're at Merrill Lynch or something, they're never going to let you use that as your, as your title. So, so, uh, so, so I think that's a unique title. That's, that's one reason I like it. I care a lot about equities, you know, I, and, and, uh, you know, I care a lot about crypto. So that kind of, kind of, uh, bridges the gap between, you know, business and Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, interesting to see, you know, that you can basically get into cypherpunk after bitcoin <laughs> uh and and yeah. be a stockbroker because a lot of people become cypherpunks after bitcoin so you've kind of gone through the you know through the the process that uh, a lot of us had and that's really good for a political candidate to be relatable um but uh so what what was your origins in bitcoin and i guess i should ask you since you're a stockbroker like what was the 2008 financial crisis like living through that you know, um, 
I actually, we did pretty well at first in 2008. I, I saw it coming and I saw that it was hyped up. And uh, so we did quite well. And then it was, and then I got, it was a great lesson in my career because then I got overconfident. I mean, I thought that I was, I, I mean, I called it exactly. There's a video of me in 2002 calling the 2008 crash that's on YouTube. And so I, I and it wasn't because I was some genius. I just listened to really smart people who got it right. And so I got it right. And I looked, you know, I looked smart. I did well with our clients. Everybody else was hurting. We had pulled out and, you know, we did a great thing. So, um, so 2008 was an interesting year, but the interesting thing is I got a little bit overconfident and this happens to a lot of people in trading and investments. If you, if you do real well, sometimes you tend to get overconfident and you need a humbling lesson. So it was, so I actually had a, we had a harder year, like 2009, 2010, it was interesting. Um, and that was just purely overconfident. So it was a very good lesson because I, and that's happened a couple of times in my career, right? You know, it, the, the markets have a way of bringing you back to humility. If you get overconfident, I've done that a couple of times where I just, I've made really, really good bets. And then I get, my ego gets a little big and you got to get knocked back down to it. So, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, what was it? And it was also an interesting experience because it was, it was where I first started really caring about things like bailouts, you know, this, this $800 billion that they, that they used to bail out. I, I couldn't understand Trump or the TARP bailout. I couldn't understand why, you know, how Elizabeth Warren and these other people were saying that this TARP bailout was um, was some kind of good thing. And and I, you know, I watched all the experts and it never made any sense to me and it still doesn't. And I, you know, I think they're just totally wrong, fundamentally wrong. So, so that was probably, um, you know, one of the things that, that you know, shaped how I feel today. Mm -hmm. So that, um, so do you think that pushed you from being uh, one party or the other. I don't know if you were traditionally Republican or, um, but uh, did that, do you think that's kind of what pushed you into being a libertarian? It was around that time period, really. It was, you know, 2008 and the, the Tea Party movement and Ron Paul uh, surged in popularity around then. Um, you know, so there's a lot of those factors. So historically, growing up in high school and stuff, I had been Republican, but then, uh, you know, more independent. You know, I liked Ross Perot. I liked, uh, you know, different independent candidates. Um, there was a period where I, 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 you know, especially under George W. Bush, I just didn't like th that party. I didn't like George W. Bush because of the war, mainly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, 2008, I was really much more libertarian by then and, uh, just continued to be more and more liberty and, 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 you know, that, that became my circles and, and it was right. Um, you know, it was from those circles that I found out about Bitcoin. You know, you asked, you know, where I, where I came into Bitcoin, it was, it was hearing about it at Porkfest in 2013, uh, 12 and 2012, I think actually. And then, and then by, by 2013, I got into it kind of full time. Oh, wow. So, so you full on came in in 2013. Um, was it pre 2013 crash? I forget what the price level was. Did it crash from like 300 or did it get up to I got in before the crash. And, and then, yeah. And I that's probably one of my worst trades. I don't even know how many Bitcoin it was, but I sold a bunch when it crashed. Uh, I don't uh, even remember how much. I don't know. I didn't I didn't track them. They weren't as important to me back then. <laughs> well, yeah, because it was so but, early. Um, you're like, but yeah, I was in I, I was yeah. And then I bought a lot more in 2013. I was, I was, you know, I was, I was in fully and I became executive director of the Bitcoin foundation, which was the largest industry group at the time and went on the speaking circuit and writing and talking and investing and just, you know, really getting into Bitcoin and started hosting one of the most prominent events in the space, the Satoshi Roundtable, mm -hmm. and, you know, got a front row seat, front row seat to this whole thing unfolding. So the Satoshi Roundtable, uh, what, uh, who would you, what would you say are the most significant moments of that uh, or things that most memorable that stick out to you? Well, I like the fact that we, um, there was a couple of years ago there, we had a, a selfie with Justin's son and Adam Beck and NVK, all of the same selfie. Oh, nice. And I, I think that's the thing I'm proudest of. It's, it's the only event I know of that Vitalik has attended and Safetyne has attended, Roger Veer has attended, and Brian Armstrong and, and uh, you know, hard, hard, hardcore Bitcoiners, um, you, you know, Jameson Lopp, NVK, uh, Safetyne, you know, it's, uh, it's something that reflects our industry. So I'm, I'm, I think that's what I'm proudest about having, there's been a lot of neat move, moments, you know, we have uh, Puddle's Pity Party, he's like a six and a half foot, 
clown who performs, the amazing performer. You know, we've got all kinds of neat people there. We have some great debates. We had some spirited debates back like round table two and three, talking about the block size debate, these kind of things. But, you know, what I'm proudest about is that it's had a, a variety of people that have that have attended and uh, and they all get along. And, you know, it's it's been a pretty good event from that yeah. standpoint. So Roger Ver hasn't been back for a while, I assume. Right. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't come back since I think the third one or something. That was probably five years, four years. Um, where did you stand? What was your view on the block size? You know, like where did you stand at the moment whenever it was happening, and and uh, and where do you view it now? Yeah. Um, originally, I didn't really understand it, and it took a lot of learning. Um, Adam Back was somebody who spent a lot of time with me talking, uh, you, you know, about it. My original instinct was like, well, if the company's this, it's good. It's a good thing. But but I became more educated about uh, consensus rule, and why you can't just change the Bitcoin code. Um, and and the, and so the, and that's an important thing to, to recognize, you know, uh, on the one hand, you say, well, these are the main companies and, and people doing the economic activity on Bitcoin, if they think something should be changed, it should be changed. Uh, that's not a good, it's not a good thing though, especially, and now we, now it's, it's even more clear and there's much more of a narrative around this, but at the time that we didn't have that strong narrative, which is that this is something you can't, you can't mess with and change to just, just because pe powerful people say to, then that brings us back to the old system. So I was against the, the change. Um, and I, and I don't think it would have, fixed anything really. I don't, I don't think that changing the block size was, was the thing because blocks, blocks are always going to be full. You know, if you, if you have one gigabyte block, somebody's just going to be sending high def video across the blockchain. You know, they, it's always going to fill. I mean, we'd be doing this if, if, if a blockchain was free or, you know, paid for by miners and we had like, you know, we might be doing this thing on a blockchain, you know, but, but that would be a huge, 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 huge cost for somebody else to do. It's already mm -hmm. expensive, even with the current block size. So, so your blocks are always going to be full, and so I don't think it would have solved the problem. But the bigger thing is, you know, how consensus works. You want to be really, really, really careful about making any changes in Bitcoin and resisting that, from, yeah. especially from any kind of centralized authority. Yeah, that's. I often worry where I would have landed had I been in Bitcoin during the block size war, because I I know now that the big blocks was not the answer and i'm firmly a bitcoin maxi and in that right in the right camp but yeah i just sometimes wonder because you know it's like oh you know five years ago where would i have been five six years ago what was i what was i doing what would i have thought you know what i mean what narrative would i have bought into um and, it, and that kind of makes me like really hesitant now whenever i see anybody rise to any kind of prominence in bitcoin i'm like just incredibly skeptical and i'm like how are you going to fall apart yeah. like i look at them like what are you going to do that's going to mess things up here so maybe that's a trait of bitcoiners because i've noticed uh right. you know we tend to uh crucify uh, some of our own has that been going on be before yeah. 2022 yeah. yeah we've seen this movie repeat and uh you know, I, I think a few people have said that they predict Michael Saylor's going to go off the deep end or something. It, it just all the signs are there. I mean, he talks about ESG, he talks about corporate governance, he talks about all this woke nonsense, and he won't speak against privacy. You know, for, for privacy, he won't he won't speak against coin tracking and some of these other things. So it's like, you know, yeah, you can put the Bitcoin hashtag in your Twitter and get some likes, but what do you really believe? Michael, mm -hmm. you know, what, what does Sailor really believe? Does he really believe in liberty? Does he really understand this stuff? Because I don't see any indication in anything. I just see a cheerleader for Bitcoin who, who gets cheap likes by, you know, sometimes people are smart. Sometimes they're just mindlessly clicking like because it has the B in it. You know, they're, they're, there's a lot of people who don't even have a, a well thought out philosophy and they're following somebody without a apparently well out, well thought out philosophy. And there's so many people who just cheer because, oh, it's Bitcoin. He's the Bitcoin guy. And they're like that, that that's about as dumb as you can get. You know, it's just it's just it's just no depth to it. I mean, that that's how people can get fooled. They're just there's, there's a good chunk of people that are just slaves to their narrative. They think they're supposed to be in a tribe or they, they think this is the thing that they're supposed to like. And they'll just they'll just, you know. They'll, they'll go for very, very base level. I mean, I could do it. I could, I could just say, you know, 
Bitcoin the only way and put that as a tweet, but it doesn't mean anything. What means mm-hmm. something is, is freedom and liberty. You know, I don't care if you buy $2 billion worth of Bitcoin, if you're, if you're in favor of having coin tracking and privacy measures, and you want some huge nanny state that rules over us through the SEC and a hundred other agencies where they have ESG and, and uh, you know, they're, 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 they're deciding what skin color the people should be on the boards and all of this other nonsense. Um, you know, what's the point? The point of Bitcoin is to break away from the broken, corrupt fiat money system. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on Sailor. I, I just don't hear him saying that. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's like he's defending, you know, what, what's next? CBDCs, you know, so, so yeah, it's inevitable. Like, um, you, that's why you don't want to have leaders in Bitcoin. Um, yeah. You, you, you don't want to have powerful people in Bitcoin. Yeah, they I, let you down. I agree. I'm glad I learned that lesson. I'm trying to pinpoint who gave that lesson to me the best, but it was probably like getting to know somebody like Guy Swan or something really pushed me in that direction where it was like, you know, slay your heroes, all that kind of stuff. And so I was like actively and nothing against Sailor. I appreciate what he's done, Um, you know, and I, I, I think he fully gets the scarcity part, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like the, the gold aspect. Um, but I'm, I'm with you there. I'd love to hear him say, like, start talking about the privacy and speak out against ESG and all that garbage. Um, yeah. And the evils but, of fiat, you know, I mean, to him, a lot of it's, it's an investment, which is great. And I appreciate him, too. And he's a he's a, he's a great Bitcoiner and he's a great ambassador for the brand. But um, fiat's evil. This is this is this is a this is a, you know, binary thing. It's right there's good and there's evil and there's right and there's wrong and you got to pick a side you mm-hmm. can't be like oh I, i'm bitcoin man and and i buy money you know i buy bitcoin with money and i promote it and then you also support fiat no we, we got to be against fiat fiat's evil it causes death and destruction all over the world for-profit prisons drone bombings wars of aggression it's horrible it's horrible and evil and we got to fight it and i think a lot of people in pow- powerful positions are afraid they're afraid they, they'd like oh don't make those waves you know we can mm-hmm. we can do the easy stuff um you know you, you can go out there and th- put the b on your on your you know twitter post and get some hashtag love but you know what about the real stuff where are the people i want to see people who, who are not afraid to criticize china who are not afraid of fiat eve who are not afraid to criticize the actions of janet yellen who are unafraid and unapologetic about uh you know defending privacy uh, you know, this is what we need. We're we're in a serious fight here, and we need serious fighters to, to to do it. We can't just have, you know, marketing. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's it, what amazes me with privacy is how how difficult it is to get people to just leave you alone. You know what I mean? Like, because like <laughs> it I look gets at- harder and harder every year. They they're in more of our lives. You know, I I tell young people, um, you know, people in their twenties who work on my campaign and work for me. Uh, when I was their age, I, I, I would fly, I was in the Navy. I was in Chicago. I'd fly to Chicago from Boston. No ID. All I needed was a ticket. Ticket worked like a bus ticket. You just take yeah. it and you give them your ticket and you get on, you, or you, you know, you could sell your ticket. You could give your ticket to somebody else. And it wasn't even tied to ID. And, uh, and you know, they put your name on it and they didn't care. It's just like, oh, and now that freedom is totally gone. We have a completely different world. But here's the sad thing. You have a generation of people in their 20s. They don't remember that, that, that that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They don't. So even if they were in power positions of power, they'd, they're not going to it's not going to occur to them. They reverse these tyrannies because they don't they don't even notice the tyrannies. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what you do. You go to an airport and you get, uh, you know, people patting you down and you get you fondled open bags and, and, and that's not the way it's yeah it's not the way it's supposed to be what it wasn't it was never the role of government and so this you know aml kyc all these different things there's so many things that you have to do in today's world that you didn't have to deal with 20 30 years ago and uh so, so that's bad we got to reverse that for sure get yourself a bitbox o2 hardware wallet the bitcoin only hardware wallet that you should get is from shift crypto go to shift crypto.ch slash bitcoin made simple and use the promo code Bitcoin made simple to get 5% off. And we have been shouting and from the mountaintops and telling you guys over and over and over and over again that you need to get your keys off the exchange. So please do it because they're going insolvent. They are going to rehypothecate your Bitcoin and is at danger of being lost and locked up in lawsuits. I mean, anybody that's been around and see, saw Mount, Mount Gox way back when, uh, you already know this story. But if you're new to Bitcoin, um, you know, Go look through. There's a checkered history. A lot of there's a lot of uh, history of 
exchanges, losing coins. So the best thing to do is to take self-custody and put them on your BitBox O2 hardware wallet from Shift Crypto. Go to shiftcrypto.ch. It's very slash Bitcoin made simple. It's very simple, easy to use. It's a sleek design. And uh, Luke always talks about how sexy it is. So, you know, he he thinks it's beautiful. Um, and yeah, I think um, we uh, we I think he's romantically involved with the BitBox O2 hardware wallet. So uh, get yourself one and use the promo code Bitcoin made simple to get 5% off. Before, um, you know, the Cerveza sickness went around and uh, uh, that's what I call it for YouTube. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, I don't think they even like the fact that even though there was a lot of KYC and um, using your, you know, passport and everything like that, it's telling people, I remember saying last summer, I was like, I remember in 2018, I flew to Berlin for a couple business meetings on a Saturday. I left here on a Friday and I was back on Sunday and like they, you know, you have your passport and they like, you know, check your passport, but like, they didn't like do like incredible, like scanning or anything like that. I was like, I think they really hated that. Like looking back yeah. on it, it's like, they didn't like the fact that like, I could just up and go to Berlin and then come back. And unless yeah. the you know, it, it was all, it's all up to the passport, whoever is doing the passports, you know, sometimes they scan it. Sometimes they're just like, yeah, come on, you know, and they just, you go through and nobody, nobody like checked me into any system. So if they were checking my, you know, my uh, plane tickets, they would have been able to track me, but you know, it was, it was uh, a system that is gone and, and I'm finding, you know, I didn't know that honestly, I was such a newbie to this like whole big freedom movement i've always been behind it but i didn't know who new hampshire was live free or die you know and um i live in pennsylvania so i always was proud and said like we're like the keystone state and we kind of hold back and filter out all the garbage that comes from new york before it spreads to the rest of the country um but uh but yeah we have um you know like i moved and got like a homestead and all that kind of stuff and i'm seeing that like there's not, There's not, I wouldn't even be able with my privacy. Like, I'm sure I could be self-sufficient. I could have all my food, all my water, everything on my own property. And at some point, the government's going to say, you can't do that. Like, you need to stop eating food that you oh, made yeah. on your land. Like, isn't that something that yeah. you think will happen? They already do that in different places in the country. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're already doing it. They they're trying there's there's a category of people uh including almost all democrats half the republicans um and, and presumably a bunch of independents as well there's better but and all of academia and all of hollywood and almost all of me pretty much all of media you know there's a group there's groups that they just want more and more and they, there's no, no amount of power will satisfy them they want to control everything you know bernie sanders he thinks there's too many deodorants he doesn't like what Uber drivers are paid i mean this guy wants to be an a, Guy who also, by the way, has no track record ever doing anything in his life. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know how to run a business. He couldn't run an ice cream stand. And and I really mean that. Like he, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to run an ice cream stand. Like to make it profitable. Like yeah, I, I don't mean that as an in, well. I do mean as an insult to Bernie. But but I'm saying he he can't do anything. He does. He's not capable yet. He has the ego to think that he can control everything. And there's a lot of people like that. So yeah, you know, absolutely. They they don't want you to grow food, or they don't want you to be self sufficient. They just want to be involved in every aspect of your life, and it's it's a totally broken philosophy. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's like I just want to like I'm in the political party of like I just leave me alone, just leave me alone. Yeah. Um, so, I'm leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right. So, why would you decide to run for office? I would have to ask because. I know um, we can fix things, but sometimes I like waver. I'm on the fence where I'm like, it can be fixed through politics or then I'm like, nope, I couldn't ever see myself running for pol political office. And I'd be, it's better off to just as the people lead to freedom by, via, you know, your own actions of like, you know, becoming self-sovereign, all that kind of stuff, um, relying on each other instead of the government, um, being friendly to each other instead of being angry with each other, like the government wants. Um, but there is the opportunity to run for office. So, so what really spurred you to do this? 
mainly just where our world is right now. We're in such crucial times, you know, we're in this sort of turning shift in the way the world works, I believe. And I think we're going to either go down a path, more tyranny or more freedom. And I, I really want to be there to try and have us go down the right path, the path of more freedom and, and less tyranny, you know, to follow the constitution and, and avoid more centralized control. Um, and it's a winnable risk, very unusual risk because there was uh, no clear front runner at the time they jumped in. It's you know, totally something I can win. And um, mainly, you know, as far as the argument of, and I have a lot of opportunities. Some of my best supporters don't, don't believe in the process. And I, 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 I sympathize, especially being in the process now. It's very disheartening. It's worse than I realized. You know, it's, it's bad. The process is broken. But, you know, if you don't pay attention to politics, politicians, pay, you know, they pay attention to you. And, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of damage they can do, you know, they, like there's some of the time. So they, they do make bad votes that do affect us in our day-to-day -day life. And if I'm elected, I can cancel out one of those votes and vote good votes instead of bad votes. So uh, it's worth a shot. You know, we have, we have to do something. It is, it is a, a right that we have. And we, we have a lot of power. I mean, we could, we, I could be a U.S. Senator and that wouldn't, that would mean something. Um, it's just a matter of people care enough and if they want to support and vote and, you know, get out there. Unfortunately, a lot of people just don't vote. They don't. They don't care. They don't get active in politics that much. Statistically, it's a it's a minority um, number of people that that participate, especially things like primaries. But I'm optimistic. I think people are waking up. I think people care about these issues, and I think they're going to vote accordingly. Yeah, yeah, and I'll I'll say I I think it's funny because I'm less inclined to vote nowadays just because everything seems to be a mess um but that doesn't mean that i don't vote uh and then and then i think you know like you said people don't vote unless it's like a presidential election you know primaries okay. things like that um but uh, one thing i've mentioned to my podcast audience before that i'll never forget was in pennsylvania we in 2021 on the primaries in like may there was on the ballot uh to change the constitution of the Pen uh, pennsylvania so that the government, a governor, because what he had was emergency powers that he could make go for 90 days and then he could extend them in perpetuity without anybody changing, you know, saying anything. Um, and they changed the constitution to be that they are for 14 days and then he needs like both houses to agree if he wants to extend them. And I was like, oh, I told my wife, I said, we're going to go vote for that. And, um, and, you know, I explained it to her and she was like, yeah, no, that's the only thing I would vote for non-presidential. So we both voted and it was kind of cool because like, I remember seeing like other people there and we're like, we were like, you know, just giving each other a thumbs up. We were like, yep, we're sticking it to him right now. And, um, and it was like a landslide. Nice. It was huge. And like, and Tom Wolf like lost his mind. Like he was just, I can't believe that the Pennsylvania residents would choose this. So, yeah. People want freedom. You know, they don't want to be mandated. Like, because I'll never forget, it was heartbreaking whenever he he ordered all restaurants to close like two weeks before Christmas in 2020. Um, and so we went on like a we went on like a tour the week before they closed to um, go to all the like local restaurants. And we were giving out big tips to everybody because I was like, oh, yeah, like just ruin their Christmas, like that money that they were depending on to buy presents for their kids, like all that joke. So anyways, um. So I do see that there, that's a long-winded way of me saying, I do see a way that people see a re, the real moments, you know, because voter participation is low, but I think people do, especially people standing up for freedom, they see that moment and they, they hopefully, uh, you know, can endorse uh, someone like yourself that uh, is live free or die. Um, so, you know, I, I want to also talk about your uh, viral tweet uh, where you were talking about defunding BlackRock and Vanguard and everybody. Uh, first of all, did you expect that traction? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I do a lot of tweets that kind of go viral, you know, so it, it didn't surprise me. You never know. It's funny, you know, you can say 10 things and sometimes the, the thing I think is the coolest thing nobody listens to and something that's sort of a throwaway things I barely even, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I should post this or not. Sometimes those will go viral. But yeah, I kind of, once I said that, it was funny because they, they asked the question in the debate, in the Republican primary debate, they said, what government agency would you get rid of? 
And I, I listed a bunch of them. I said, but most of all BlackRock. And that got a big laugh because mm -hmm. obviously it's not really a government agency, but they got $500 billion worth of money. So it's like 10 times more than most large agencies. You know, it's an awful lot of money. Um, you know, I think the Department of Education is a waste. They don't get as much money as BlackRock, you know, so, so I'd cut them both. Um, and so, yeah, that got a laugh uh, because I, th I think people understand it, you know, and, and um, you know, we all know it's true. We all know that BlackRock got this money. It's public information. And for whatever reason, people aren't talking about it. I think that reason might be because they're, they're afraid. You know, certainly a lot of the media and stuff is afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um and uh and believe me i i we have a if anyone notices on the we have a, i don't know if it's coming out through on your side but it's like a really really poor internet connection and i assume that it's because of our friends that are watching uh through the live stream right now um in the nsa and all the other places um <laughs> not to be paranoid but i mean let's be honest uh and i can tell Certainly you possible yeah um totally totally possible um, and there's, uh, there's certain things with my business I can't announce publicly yet, but that might cost this as well. I'll tell you afterwards. Um, but, uh, you know, it's all good for freedom anyways. Um, yeah. So I, I think that a lot of people in the Bitcoin space really agree with that. You know, like you mentioned department of education, you know, like, so you would just get, you would vote to get rid of it. You would say like, start oh, yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah, somebody asked me what my ideal bill would be, and I, I referenced Thomas Massey's bill, which was like a one-sentence bill that this bill abolishes the Department of Education. I just I would do the same bill, only I'd have like 30 different agencies, you know, abolish Department of Education, TSA, SEC, IRS. I mean, I'd, I'd get rid of all of it, really. And I know that sounds radical to people, but it, it wasn't. I mean, there was many, many decades in our nation's history where we didn't have these things. You know, the, the, what's radical is the idea that people can be in charge of these things, you know, that it's it's radical that you would have, that you would think that um, people in centralized fancy offices can make decisions better than voters of New Hampshire or Pennsylvania or anywhere else. Um, so, yeah, I, I would get rid of all things. And, I, you know, I kind of joked about that. Um, and I said, well, you know, obviously that wouldn't happen. And then I, I stopped myself. It actually could happen because this is a six year term and we are in very epic, crazy times. Who knows what our economy is going to be like in a year or two? We could have a depression. We could have war. We could have all kinds of things. So all the more important to send somebody like me down there, because as crazy as that is, it may be possible. I mean, if we're out of money and we're bankrupt, even Elizabeth Warren would have no choice but to cut things like Department of Education. Uh, so it's particularly important to have people understand change and and uh, you know what's going on in our world right now. Yeah, yeah. Are, are you a fan of Parks and Recreation, the show? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You, uh, I always say my political my political views are Ron Swanson. That's who I. That's the, the political candidate I get behind. And listening to you talk yeah. about wanting to cut agencies makes me think of the episode yeah. where he gets to be a part of cutting gutting the bureaucratic stuff and he's just like laughing the whole time like and like enjoying himself like a little kid so would that be would that be bruce Fenn if you got invited to a meeting to slash the budget and gut the government yes i would love that I, <laughs> I i'd love to cut all of these things really i mean we just don't need them we just don't need these bureaucrats down in washington dc telling us how to run their our lives there's hundreds of thousands of these folks between the government employees and agencies and all the contractors and you and i do it down there off um you know i have i have relatives who live down there and there's just headquarter after headquarter of like a billion dollar company paid for by our tax dollars and then all these people driving their brand new ford excursions and dodge vipers and everything else paid for Taxpayers, all these people getting six and sometimes seven figure salaries on our tax dollars, and they don't do anything to help us. They're not helping the folks that I talk to in New Hampshire. Zero, zero. We don't need them. None of us need at all in New Hampshire. And I know it's the same for just about anybody else across the country. The only different people have been uh, tricked in thinking that these agencies help them. They don't. They, they really don't totally count out and a total waste of money. And more importantly, violent. you know, it's not just that they're wasteful, it's that they're really violent. You know, government is full of violence and causes all kinds of death and destruction all around the world. And that's a serious matter we should be accountable for as well. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, learning, um, cause like I voted for, I voted for George W. Bush and I'll admit that. Um, but I fully regret it 
like if I go back, I'd just pick, you know, some third party candidate, even though it wouldn't have made a difference. It just, you know, I like I just watched the movie Hurt Locker again. And, um, you know, it's a great movie, but like it just Bitcoin has like changed my mind on so much. I'm just saying that like, why are why were these soldiers over there? Like, well, what were we doing? I'm like, those are my tax dollars yeah. were doing these atrocities and you know, like, and then you start Bitcoiners start to peel back the layers of like what's going on in Yemen and nobody's talking about it. And, and like, you know, our tax dollars are going there and, and it, it, to get reference, another uh, television show would be like, uh, if you ever saw the, the good place and like the general premise, this doesn't spoil it for anybody, but like the general premise was like, the, like it's really hard for anyone to get to the good place because like you in some way, shape or form are infected by the evils of the world around you. You know, like Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're indirectly funding terrible things. Um, And right. You know, so that kind of makes my stomach churn. Um, But hopefully, you know, there's more people. And I, I honestly think there is, you know, like if, if there's a time for a third party, this it's now, do you think it's, you know, totally possible and um, in something that can happen in our lifetimes? Certainly anything can happen. I mean, we're in times of epic change. I think our world is going to be very, very different over the next couple of years. The last two years is unimaginable. Nobody in the world could have predicted these kind of change. It's so big that we're not even thinking about it. A lot of people are still focused. You know, they listen to the pundits and the media and the candidates talk. They talk like it's 1996. They're like, I'm going to lower your taxes by 3%. You know, they just use the name. Roe v. Wade, you know, same same talking points they've been using for decades, and we are in very very different times right now. Uh, this is a different time, and so so yeah, anything is possible. We're going we're we're going to have a shake. We're going to have more chaos, and we're not going to look. The history books aren't going to say 2020s or you know oh, a couple ending years. You know, 2020, 2021 about that flu thing. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. This is nth order effects gets changed chaos everything is falling apart the system is broken the money is broken the politicians broke it everything is a house of cards nobody trusts the sources they used to trust everything is going to borders change how people change even religions are changing and 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 people leave a family is you know basic stuff is is completely changing right now so uh uh, you know, that, that could have the, the main party could be completely transformed. Uh, that's probably the easiest thing that would happen. You have like a real strong liberty wing or Republicans or one, one or both parties split or, or you have a third party. But the bigger picture is that, that uh, none of this stuff is going to matter because we're in a new world. We're going to have uh, continued chaos. Ukraine is not the final chapter in the, the, the pandemic, you know, nonsense. It, it's, it's, it leads to more and more effects you know credit supply chain and money and and else um, is, is making an unsustainable system break uh, so that's a big deal you know i think we're gonna have a very 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 different world nobody i've seen the level of change like the kind of fourth turning what we saw in 1920 100 years ago every 100 years ago, you get these kind of changes and nobody alive has really seen it before but we're, we're gonna now so so um you know who knows what a world is going to look like, but it's going to look very, very, very different, which, which is all the more important reason why you need to have a basis. If you're going into some crazy world of new chaos, all the more important to say, okay, what do we believe? What's true? What are my core moral principles? Where, where is the proper use of how do we further liberty, freedom, and good, good versus evil? You know, how do we, how do we think about these kind of things? I think that's going to be really, really important in this new chaotic world that I predict we're, we're going to be continuing on over the next coming years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, uh, the good versus evil is not talked about enough. Um, you know, and I think that's because a lot of what you see out there is just evil. So they don't want to point out that there's an opposition. <laughs> they want you to be, I'm the less, the lesser. I mean, how many times have we heard it in politics? Right. You know, like I'm going to vote for the lesser of two evils. It's like, eesh. That's actually a true statement. That's actually happening. Um, and so we get evil. Yeah, yeah. You no matter what, you get yeah. evil, and it leads to more evil. Um, and it's just a shame that the we've let it get to this point. Um, but you know, to their tip their cap, tip the cap to the people in charge. They did a good job of fooling us to this point. 
they fooled a lot of people they had everybody drinking the kool-aid and um yes. and i think that it's starting to change so in your in your vision you know you say it could be many different things what is your hope for you know let's say so when's the when's your when would your term start if you were to win or when you win I it guess. would be january january yeah, 2023 it so it goes six, six years so six you'd years, be in yeah. till 2029 okay so let's yep. let's look at it through prism of that you win and you you'll be there till 2029 and you get to help push a lot of the change that you want. What world do you see us being in at the end of the decade? One Senator doesn't have too, too much. Power, but I think that the changes in the world, because if I'm there, I could be instrumental in helping you know, helping it all. And, and I'd like to see what that is just following the Constitution. I'd like to see the pendulum thing where we, we have embraced world of socialism, authoritarianism, and completely foreign concepts to the way of our country operating, you know, like the existence of Fauci. Fauci shouldn't have any power at all. No politician should have the ability this is down or make recommendations that leading this is down or uh, mandated injections or any of these things. I think that's just so far out now what what is workable, what is sensible. Hope we see them swing the other way. And I, I hope we see something like what I said where 30 agencies are just completely uh, you know trashed, you know, shut down. I'd like to budget, I'd like to see federal down by 90%. I'd like to see uh, government getting the out of the money business and the, the failed broken fiat that human rights um, respected a complete end to the drug war. You know, we need on a whim because of a misestimation. And, and let's remember this: they totally misestimated the the lethality of this virus. And even if they were right, it's to give them authority more right to shut down businesses. So these were such radical actions. I think we need radical actions. I'd like to see, you know, entire uh, government departments shut down, radical uh, cuts in, a, in something, you know, like 90% cuts, something. Uh, embracing the Constitution, of the National Firearms Act, allow people to protect themselves. Um, you know, get government out of the money business, stop wars all over, you know, the place, end the drug war entirely. I think like 70% of men are in favor of it, uh, especially to some degree. And um, so, some of them are wrong. They're not, they're aggressive about it. We need this completely gone, just end entirely. All drug laws, not, this is the, per, the one problem you have is one baby step. You know, I say things like abolish the SEC. And I understand the SEC well, I've been by them for 30 years. I understand the SEC extremely well. And, uh, People, people say, oh, no, we can't do that. And that's just them being brainwashed. They think that they think that we need these because they've been told that, and they're wrong. We don't need them. We don't need running our lives. We don't need, don't need base steps and half measures. The SEC, let's lower taxes back up. No, cancel it all. I'm only one center, so I can't do that myself. But I, but, but I think that with other people, I think you're going to have some people like me win in November. And then I think that the next election versus only two years later, you're going to have a lot more. Um, uh, and, and this movement, and I think over, you know, over the year coming up, we could have a very different country. And by, by the end of, you know, uh, no, November, two years from now, it could be entirely different. You know, we could have a, a, a president and a majority um, Republican that's a very different type of Republican party and very much more liberty. Yeah. And that's what we need, frankly, because, you know, I've seen the meme. I'm sure you've seen the meme go around where it says, you know, there is no other place to go to. Like, I remember having this thought at one point, this is probably the beginning of my thoughts of like, you know, why we need to restore our freedoms. And I was like, all right, hypothetically, let's just say everything went to crap here. What like there isn't a new there isn't a new world to go to. This is it. Like there's no new frontier right. that would be the next place that, you know, is going to be the place that supports freedom. So it really is about, you know, digging in, digging, digging our heels in and, uh, and defending freedom, you know, here on the home front, um, because, you know, we're the place that 
the people come to for that. Um, so, you know, we need to get back at that. And I, I, I think, you know, people voting for someone like yourself uh, will help, uh, will help push that in the right direction. And like you said, not just a Republican majority, I think a new breath of Republican life, you know, not the Mitt Romney's of the world, not the, the rhinos, um, you know, and, and everybody laughed at Ron, Ron Paul all these years, but like, boy, he has been so right. <laughs> He's just nailed it on so many things. So you're like, well, maybe we should listen to that guy. Um, so yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's, what's going to happen is we'll see a new face of the Republican party. And that's really the way that you create a third party because you have to change it from within and, and then like those rhinos can go break off and be their own thing and, and let them, you know, wither and, um, and, then, yeah. uh, and move forward with your own, uh, your own plan. Um, so before I let you go, I got to ask you about, yeah. <clears throat> you did a online filibuster last week and, uh, to let you know how, like, I knew yes. that it was happening because I follow you on Twitter and, um, and then I, I emailed, there was somebody with business that I emailed he said, Hey, I'm really busy today. By the way, if you have a lot of stuff working on, you should, uh, jump into this, uh, filibuster all day. And I, it was somebody sent me the link, you know, so it was just funny. Um, but, uh, how long did it go for? How long did the filibuster last? So I went to speak, uh, on stop in honor of Senate ability to, you know, speak as long as they hold the floor. And I made 33 hours, nine minutes. Um, and I took four restroom breaks, all, all under four minutes each. I picked the rule, it's Tom Thurmond. He had done 24 hours. And he did take a couple restroom breaks. And so I, you know, other than that, I spoke nonstop, you know, other than somebody's asking a question. And in that, I tried to keep the, because I, I will be basically nonstop speaking as close to, you know, a, the real, real long speech as possible, like the real filibusters. And um, so, yeah, I was proud of that. Thanks again to Bruce for coming on and thank you guys for listening. And also thanks to our sponsor, the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet from Shift Crypto. Go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin Made Simple, promo code Bitcoin Made Simple to get 5% off. I'll talk to you guys later.